welcome to Peaceful Ease. We all have the necessary strength and wisdom to solve most of our problems. What we often lack is a quiet space to think clearly and calmly. This podcast is all about tapping into that zone of inner wisdom. My name is Mario Pareca, and I'd like to invite you to join myself and Ela Crane every Monday and Friday. We'll be here to guide you to that endless power and insight within until you learn how to get there and function from there by yourself. This is a journey about being authentic, learning how to trust your instincts, realizing that each and every one of us are not just enough, but also perfect the way we are right now. Hey everyone, Mario Pareca here, and I am joined as always by Ela Crane, and we'd like to welcome you to the Peaceful Ease podcast. You can reach out to us and have a conversation with us using the Peaceful Ease hotline, 424-625-5562 is that number. Again, 424-625-5562. You can call 24-7, leave Ela a message. I'd love to hear from everyone, and she would get back to you right here on the Peaceful Ease podcast. You can also email us, podcast at peacefullease.com is the email address. And again, to keep up with Ela, peacefullease.com is the website. Ela, it's so great to be back with you. Yes, it's nice to see you, Mario, and it's nice to be back. It always feels like we're away for so long, but it's really not that long in between <laughs> episodes. I know, I know. I miss podcasting too. And I think there's an addictive part to it where I think about it throughout the day. So when I read something interesting or when I have an interesting conversation, I'm like, okay, I have to mention this. Yeah, it's always in the back of your mind. That's for sure. Once you get, And I'd like to tell people that podcasting is, is like having a tattoo. And not that I have any tattoos, so I really, but I see people who have tattoos and their behavior and it's like, they always say, I'm just going to get one. And then you see them a year later and they have like six <laughs> and that's how podcasting is. You say, I'm just going to do this one, but then you're always thinking about it. And then once you have it for so long, you're always thinking, Hmm, I could do a podcast about that, or I could do something about that. You so. know, I was just thinking about that because I love hiking, as you know, and we just came back from our annual hiking trip, a week-long trip in the Alps. And I was thinking, oh, I could actually do a podcast on hiking. <laughs> Absolutely. You, how was the hiking trip, by the way? Because we touched on it at the last episode we did, and now you're back from your trip. How was it? It's just the best week of the year for me. I love nature. I love the mountains. And we just go off for a whole week. There's uh, barely any phone signal. There's no internet. We don't see anyone during the day. In the evenings, we stay in these mostly managed huts. So there's some warm place that we can sleep and they give us dinner. And it's such a basic life. You know, we are lucky if we find hot water to shower or, you know, we eat whatever we are given. You don't have it like a menu to choose from. And for a whole week, you just carry everything that you need, like water, snacks. You can, of course, fill your bottle in these huts or cabins. But you have to have everything prepared and minimal clothing. So I carried like three kilos of clothing, like two pairs of socks, two tops, one shorts, one raincoat, like very simple life. And it's amazing that you can just do that and live like that with a rucksack a whole week and, you know, have your food and water and equipment and enough clothing for four seasons. Because with the mountains, you never know what's it going to be like. And in a good way, 
because the weather forecast said we were going to have rain during the first four days and it was just sunny and it was really warm. So we were very lucky about it. And in the end, we completed 90 kilometers, around 55 miles in almost eight days, more like seven and a half. And that was like with 20,000 feet of sand, 6,000 meters and a 21,000 feet, the sand and the scenery and the beauty is just hard to describe, but it's also very challenging because the second day we had to walk 10 and a half hours and there are barely any paths, you know, it's not like going for a walk in the forest near any town because this is like really difficult to walk. There is often just gravel or huge rocks to climb over. You walk next to sometimes ice over ice and physically it's very challenging, but it's very satisfying. And I was kind of surprised to see still places in Switzerland, small villages, just like five to ten houses where they don't have any phone signal or they don't have Internet and people just live like that. And we take it for granted. (laughs) I think I could do it for a while to just kind of cut off from everything as I think we were talking about this before we hopped on. But to live, I didn't consider that possibility of actually living like that full time with no connection, aside from the people you connect to in your day to day life. That's an interesting thought. Yeah. And people live like that. And they don't miss anything, it seems like. I mean, okay, We've seen maybe two villages like that, and half of the houses in these villages were for sale or for rent. So I guess they are going down in demand. But still, we met some people, there were some farmers, we bought some cheese. And it means so much to us because during this week, we don't see anyone. So even if we see a road sign saying three hours to this town, it makes us happy. You know, it's just like a sign of humanity is still existing somewhere. And then meeting locals and we cross the border from Switzerland into Italy and then back to Switzerland and then back to Italy. And the language has changed, the culture changes. And I was just listening to a kind of Italian audiobook to to know the basics about like, okay, we are staying one night. Can we buy this? Do you have a place? And just uh, learned very quickly basic Italian, which is a beautiful language. And we will keep this, we will keep going on to this route next year and the following years. It may take us, I don't know, five to 10 years to finish this route. It's called the GTA. It ends by the ocean and it's beautiful because you go through the entire mountain range from north to the south. And you know what? I couldn't live like that, but I really appreciated those little villages and how warm the people were and how different life is. You don't have to go to Far East or Africa. I'm in Switzerland in the heart of Europe and people live such different lives. So I was fascinated to see that. When you're going on these hikes, you do have a guide, right? No, no. It's just me and my husband. Yeah. Wow. That's. And and a GPS. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, how do you know you're going the right direction? Yeah. I assume you have a GPS or a map of some sort. Yeah. We have a kind of offline map. It's like the Swiss government issues this map and it's very reliable. And 
you know, there are times that we kind of are cautious when there's fog, for instance, you can't see anything then. And we've been in that situation before where you can't even see just like a couple of steps ahead. So in that situation, you don't want to be outside because it's really dangerous. You can just fall off the cliff when you don't see anything. And once we were in a situation like that, we got lost and it took us 10 hours overall to get to where we were supposed to get to. And, and there's no midpoint, so we don't carry a tent, so we couldn't camp. There's no one you can call or ask for help. There's nothing around. So you have to get to where you're supposed to get to. You have no choice but to succeed. <laughs> yeah, you can put it that way. Yeah, exactly. And to prepare for this trip, which was just like 90 kilometers, I walked like 310 kilometers the month before because you have to be physically very fit. And during the hike, I didn't have any incidents. But before I started hiking, I learned a valuable lesson because I was hiking up a peak nearby. And on the way down, it was this 45 degree hill just full of gravel and sand basically and in such situations I rely on the rocks to step on because the big rocks they seem solid and as I did I put two feet on one rock and the entire thing moved off the ground and I was heading down four to five degrees it just lasted maybe five seconds, but it seemed like half an hour to me. There was so much dust and there were people kind of ahead of me and behind me going down this hill and everyone stopped and everything was like frozen. And I had my puppy on my backpack then. This is before the trip, like I said. And I was literally surfing on a rock downhill. And it was amazing how calm I could keep and just put my weight onto the rock and stop it from going down. And that was a lesson, the equivalent of, I think, not putting your eggs into one basket. Don't put two feet on one rock. Yeah. <laughs> That's one way of looking at it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so my question to you is, as I'm listening to these stories and the, how the preparation that goes into it and you going on these hikes that where you, like we said, you have no choice but to succeed. What's it feel like? What feelings and emotions do you go through like the night before? you depart like you get into bed that night knowing that you're leaving in the morning you're leaving the next day what what kind of feelings and thoughts go through your body and your mind mm. I mean I look forward to this trip throughout the year so we do this every year like end of August beginning of September is roughly somewhat fixed so it's a kind of a lot of mental preparation goes into it. But the night before, there is this anxiety and excitement about it. So a part of me is like, yes, finally. And there are many other parts of me, like we discussed in one episode, thanks to this therapy, uh, internal family systems, that now we know we are not single person, but we are multitudes. And there are many parts of me saying, no, not again. <laughs> And you just take that with you and you just continue. You go on to this journey like that, accepting every voice. And throughout the journey, they continue talking and commenting on things. Like, And you go through everything. You go through hunger sometimes. You go through exhaustion. Like the second day after the first day was very hard. I don't know. I can't remember. Maybe nine hours the second day, ten and a half hours. And then towards the end of it, my body, I just, my legs wouldn't walk. But you have to walk. 
So you just go through everything to see that nothing is permanent. So I find this trip, the biggest lesson I get from these trips is that nothing is permanent and no matter how you feel, good or bad, it's just going to change. And this is a valuable lesson when you are struggling, when you're hungry, when you're tired, when you had enough, but there's no way out. You have to continue. And then remembering that this will also change is the only hope. And it did happen the second day just before we arrived at our destination. I had this flush of energy out of nowhere just the last 20 minutes you know <laughs> I could almost run to the place maybe it was the final hope like or the feelings of yes we made it but it just tells me that everything I feel and think is just not so solid and somewhat an option yes I am limited by my physical fitness levels and by needing food and water but a lot of my thinking and emotions are not that material, are not that solid. They just come and go like waves. So the night before you leave, you said you have those feelings. They're kind of, you're excited, but you're also, you have that, that little bit of nervousness or, you know, that just thinking about what's to come. Is it typically the same every year? Or does it change from year to year after? Because, you know, the more you complete, does the excitement overshadow every year a little bit more? It's a good question. And it does change. But I don't think it's about completing more. It's more like doing it more. Because the more you do it, the fitter you are. And also, the more you trust yourself with regards to moving around. Like when you go down a four to five degree hill and it's sandy and full of gravel and you slide every step you slide and maybe the first time I did this I had to stop after each step because I don't like sliding down you know it's not a good feeling just going down on gravel without much control but as you do it you learn how to trust your feet that they somehow and your shoes that you know you catch a solid ground at some point you may slide for a second or two but there's something that you often hit luckily and you learn how to trust that and it becomes easier and easier year after year and I think this is important to underline that it's not completing the week that makes it easier it's doing it that makes it easier like many things in life you know we are so obsessed with completion that we generally underestimate the value of trial and trying things and doing things. That's such a great point because I catch myself thinking about, you know, the pride. And I was actually just thinking about it this morning. So it's amazing that you bring it up where I was thinking back to all of the work that went into getting to this point. And just from my point of view in my business, all of the different things. And when I think back, I'm like, man, I don't want to have to do that again. But at the time, it was so exciting to do it. But now I'm like, because as you do more and as you experience more, you kind of level up and you want to go to the next level. So now thinking back, you're like, oh, I don't want to start over and do all that over again. But at the time, it was so exciting because it was new and different. And does that make sense? Yeah. And now you're going to the next phase. And I think that there's a great parallel here. And what you're doing is more raw because it's, you know, in nature, physical, from that human essence, but it kind of all ties together. 
Yeah. And the question here is, if you go back to doing whatever that is that you don't want to do anymore, would you still enjoy it? I think I would. I think it's the thought. I think the thought is worse than the act. Yeah, that's it. It's the same here. It's really like at the beginning of every trip, we are like, oh God, this is going to be harsh. Why do we do this? You know, like we choose to spend our holidays in a situation that's physically challenging, unpredictable. You stay in rooms shared with other people. You sleep in bunk beds. You eat whatever you are given, whenever you are given. You know, we sometimes arrive at five o'clock to these cabins and we are hungry and they say dinner is at eight. You have no choice. You know, you're just like, you have to sit down and wait. And one of the places was freezing cold. It was almost like colder than outside. And again, you have no choice. And we choose to spend our holidays like this. So we question sometimes how sane this is. And when we are at the beginning of a journey, it's like, just like you said, oh God, you know, I don't want to do this. But as you get going, you just start enjoying it. And it does tell me that, the thought is worse than the action, like you said. And that makes me think, too, when we think about those things, what are we really thinking about? Are we thinking about, like, the point that we were in, in that? Because you're thinking about one singular moment in a large piece of time. And it's that one singular moment that maybe you're just thinking about one specific period of 30 seconds that you didn't like. Why not think about the five minutes that you did like? Mm-hmm. And who is thinking about these things? That's the other aspect of the question. Because like we said, if we are multitudes, and if there are parts of me that really look forward to this week, and there are parts of me that don't, so who is excited, who is scared? And even in the worst situations, like there were some moments in this trip where, you know, I was climbing over rocks, and you look up and there's a huge rock pointing at you right above you on a 45 degree hill and you think if this thing slides I have no chance and then you feel the fear it's like it's very physical fear of wanting to survive wanting to live but then I could ask myself okay who is not afraid in me is there a part of me that's not afraid and often there is because I'm not fear I can feel the fear but I'm not fear and generally, I could bring out that part of me who's not afraid and just continue with this calm attitude. That's such a great point that you bring up there and looking for that one person within you that is ready to do this. There might be someone in you, like you may feel fear, but there might be part of you that's excited. What if you tap into that instead of focusing on the fear? It changes everything. Yeah, completely different. And you can do that in a matter of seconds if you choose to go there. And if you can remember this, when you're angry, for instance, that, you know, you can really feel the anger in your maybe stomach, in your hands, in your jaw, however you process the emotion. But if you can remember that there is a part of you who's not angry right then, and if you can find that part and bring that part forward, then you see the anger somehow dissolve just leave you you know there's this distance between you and the anger afterwards powerful stuff Hila. <laughs> you know what i think we won't have time to read this note i wanted to read let's leave it for the next episode i was going to say the great thing about podcast is there's always another episode
<laughs> yeah. And you never know what you're going to talk about, apparently. <laughs> That's very true. There's a saying, and I'm a huge baseball fan, and baseball is a very long season. Teams play 162 games every season. And there's a saying in baseball that there's always tomorrow. <laughs> Because in other sports, like in football, in American football, there's only 16 games in a year. So every game is so important. And in baseball, it's like if you have a bad day, you're going to have a bad day. It's like, you know, in life, you have bad days. Things happen. And you just, there's always tomorrow. So I love that outlook. I like that. Yep. Yeah. You go out and you have a bad game. You shower it off and you say there's always tomorrow. And you look at tomorrow and it's a brand new game, brand new day, brand new opportunity. Yeah. So until next episode where we can talk about this beautiful instruction, I look forward to seeing you. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Yes, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Elif, as always, for sharing your insights and your wisdom. I always love speaking with you. I want to remind everyone that they can call us and share their insights, wisdom, thoughts, and ideas. Anything that was triggered from this episode, anything that came up for you, if you'd like to share it with Elif, 424-625-5562 is the number to do that. You can also email podcast at peacefullease.com. And remember to check out peacefullease.com for everything Elif is up to and what she's all about, the Peaceful Ease brand. It's all there for you to check out and become a part of. Ela, thank you so much again. And I look forward to diving into this passage on the next episode. Thank you, Mario. Take care, everyone. For Ela Crane, I'm Mario Pareca. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll talk to you on the very next episode of the Peaceful Ease podcast. Thank you for listening to the Peaceful Ease podcast. If this episode resonated with you, please share it with friends and family. Remember, the bigger the support, the more fun the journey becomes. If you'd like to get in touch with Ela, you can reach out to her at peacefulease.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Until next time, be kind to yourself.